Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 128. Our Sunday worship service for August 11th is work. It is the sixth in our series, Branching In. Action, when combined with loving intention, is the key to a happy life and a peaceful world. This comes from John. My father is working until now, and I myself am working. Now, Jesus says that kind of thing a few times. God's working, so I'm going to work. Now, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal because, well, you know who he's talking to, right? You know that... Jesus and the powers that be have an ongoing thing, not unlike what the Duke boys and Boss Hog have going on. <laughs> that there's some back and forth. I mean, you think about a classic, archetypical struggle. And the powers that be represent establishment stuff. We want to keep it the way that it always was, and there's good and bad about that. But here comes Jesus saying, wait a minute, maybe there's a way to satisfy the spirit of what you're talking about but doing it in a way that's more empowering, healthier, more loving, more beautiful, fill in the blanks. That kind of thing. What if there's a better way to understand this? What if we can live it to a higher degree and so on? And so there's this give and take. There's this dynamic between Jesus and the authorities over and over and over and over again. And we joke about the Dukes of Hazzard, but it's not unlike what you see in any struggle, in any movie about any hero you ever saw, any TV show, any book, your own life. When you're working to change things, to be truer to yourself in the light of whatever you grew up with, whatever you learned in school, and so on. It's that struggle. And so the powers that be were trying to pin him down on some stuff, trying to catch him in a, in a lie, trying to catch him in some kind of place where he messed up, and he was usually pretty good about doing it right. But one of the places they could consistently get him in trouble was that whole doing stuff on the Sabbath thing. Because you know you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. If you are very, very strict about it, you don't even press buttons in elevators on the Sabbath. Because you don't do it. There's a commandment about that. Now, I'm not here to disrespect that. However, respect of someone else's way of doing a spiritual thing ends when they try to make you do it. It's okay if something's against your religion or for your religion, but I don't get to be dictated by what you decide is appropriate for your relationship with God. There's the line, boys and girls. And so there are the authorities telling Jesus, you're not supposed to do stuff on the Sabbath, and you know Jesus doesn't pass up an opportunity to heal or to teach or to preach or to feed somebody to do a thing. Let's be like that. Somebody's sick. Jesus heals. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. And so there they are. That's all groundwork for this quote. Here's the Pharisees going, hey, 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 hey. We don't, we don't do stuff on the Sabbath. And here's Jesus saying, you know, uh, God doesn't quit working. The sun came up. Your circulatory system is still happening. Miracles are happening. People fall in love. Doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Babies are born. Stuff happens. God is working. God doesn't care what day it is. God is working, so I'm going to work. As if to say the subtext, you got a problem with that? And they did, and the story unfolds. But in that moment, something amazing happens. Here's what I'm trying to say. Work is good. Now I know that sounds kind of revolutionary in a culture where work is thought of as a four-letter word. I mean, how was that movie? Well, it was work. 
How was that date? It was work. How was it sitting with the in-laws? You know, when we talk about work, we talk about something that is not something you want. Oh, it was work. And yet, when you look it up in the Bible, work happens a lot. Biblical people are working people. The word work and the idea of work comes up over and over and over and over again. But what's interesting is when work is talked about in Scripture, it is almost always, if not always, talked about as something good. Work is good, according to the Bible. We must each work out our own salvation. God's working, so I'm going to work. Faith without works is dead. It's nothing if you don't do something based on how you feel. Work is a good thing. What changed? From Bible times to modern times, what changed? This is a big deal. Because people say, oh, well, I don't really expect miracles in my life right now. It's modern times. It's not Bible times. They had miracles back then because, you know, marketing. They were trying to sell a book. And now that they're in every hotel room, there's no more miracles. We don't need those anymore. Bestseller list. We're good. People say, oh, there's no miracles in modern times. Hmm, what changed? If you want to be the kind of person who has miracles as part of their daily experience, if you want to be the kind of person that has a closer relationship with something bigger than you, if you want to know God, if you want a life that's just a little bit bigger, getting back to that Bible person mindset is part of the equation. And there's a lot of things we can say about that. But for now, for this morning, let's focus on this one idea. If you want to be a miracle person, a Bible person, be the kind of person who is okay with the idea of work. Now, work and job may be two different things. We'll work on that. But just the simple idea that I'm allowed and expected and, in fact, supposed to do something with my hands and my heart based on how I feel on the inside. I'm supposed to do something. What I want us to do as a people is get done with the disconnect between intention and action. Do a thing. Like I always say, get done with the idea that the goal is to stop doing stuff. Now, we've talked about the, the idea in the past that you only get what you practice. So stop working with the idea that someday you'll get to quit. If that's really what you're putting yourself through, I don't envy you. What if you enjoyed something about your day? something what if you were allowed to smile what if there's some beautiful thing about you that the world needs what if i know that's different so let me put it a little bit differently what if the work that we do is how we express our divinity our childhood of god what if it all comes out in what we do can you do that mm -hmm. that's a lot so what if I say it this way? What if we tell the truth? That's really what I'm talking about. What if you told the truth with what you did? Mmm, that's different. As I've talked about before, here is our review box. As I've talked about before, prosperity is the opposite of abstraction. When you abstract things out, when you make layers and walls between you and the truth, between you and what you want, between you and what you love, the number of walls you have is the, the problem. Truth breaks those walls down. So let's talk about one of those abstractions. When people talk about work and they talk about the misery of the 9 to 5 job or whatever, the reason that they do the job is often money. 
right? Nothing wrong with money. Money isn't good or bad. That's, that's kind of the problem. It's not a goal. It's just pieces of paper. It's a big abstraction. Nothing wrong with it. It builds churches. That's cool. Builds hospitals. All of that. Great. But it's not a goal. It's a byproduct, right? So what if we take away that big abstraction, we think in terms of a different kind of currency. What if we think about work in terms of time? Time's what you have. And that's one of the things that we talk about in the book. What are you spending your time on? Because the things you spend money on don't change you, but the things you spend time on change you. How are you spending your time? Back in seminary, one of my heroes, he's still a hero of mine, it's a guy named Dell. he's a minister at the, at the church that, where we met, hero of mine, I think he baptized Cameron, our drummer, and he was one of my main teachers in seminary, and an amazing, brilliant, hardworking, dedicated, and certain man. He knew what was going to happen, you know, that kind of guy. And I just loved that about him. I've never met somebody more serious, never met somebody more brilliant, just hero you know and anytime Dell saw me or anybody else he wouldn't say hi or how's it going or any of that kind of stuff he would always say what you working on called us all by our last names Randolph what you working on and if you know Dell you know my impression it's pretty solid <laughs> what you working on and at the time because he was one of my teachers I just assumed it meant that he knew I was supposed to be writing a 20-page term paper about something and that's partly true but part of it is also that there's something really deep in that. What you work on determines who you are. What you work on is how you express your divinity, how you bring everything that you know and everything that you feel to bear on your world. So what you're working on determines your life. So when he said, what are you working on? Really what he's saying is, who are you going to be now? How are you going to live that beauty that you have inside of you? How are you going to show the world how awesome you are today? What are you working on is the question. Paul says we work out our own salvation. And one of the things that that means is the work that you do can chain you up or set you free. And so the question for today is that question. What are you working on? Now, as I said, work and job might be two different things right now. Ideally, they're pretty darn close together, but baby steps, one thing at a time. Because in, in the past quick review box. In the past, we've talked about the idea that identifying yourself by your job is problematic. My name is Joe Blow and I'm a plumber. My name is Sally Brown and I'm a lawyer or whatever. That's how we introduce ourselves, but that's not the whole truth about you. And the thing that we've said before is what happens when you win the lottery or get fired and you're not doing the job anymore? Uh-oh. If that's who I am and it's gone, there's an existential crisis that I have to go through. I don't know who I am. That's a problem. We've talked about that before. But let's talk about the other side of it. What happens if you don't get fired? What happens if you don't win the lottery? What happens if you don't go for a ride on a UFO or whatever? What happens if you continue working that job that you hate? I mean, think about it. In our culture, the job that we do is so often equated with misery that most folks are pretty suspicious when someone likes their job. Hey, how was work this week? Oh, it was great. I had so much fun. I talked to some people. I got paid to do a wonderful thing. I was smiling all day. It was The next thing you think is, uh-oh, they're going to try to get me into multi-level marketing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's suspicious when someone likes their job. Now, I want to change that mindset, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. So let's do the math on this. 
If my job is defined by misery, pointlessness, meaninglessness, if my job is supposed to make me feel like a loser, if my job is misery, and I identify with my job, I am this job, then who the heck am I? I am a beacon of misery in the world, and I think I'm supposed to be. And guys, that doesn't work. That makes the world a worse place by putting more misery in it. And it has got to stop. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because we have felt something better. It doesn't work that way because we know what it feels to do a good thing. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But what I want you to know is that whole mindset, the misery equals me mindset, is a choice and we can choose different. And I know this. Because I have to tell you, not so very long ago, just a few years ago, I worked a pretty soul-crushing job. You know, it was one of those things where I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. It, 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 I, I gave absolutely zero of my heart to it. I was just a schmuck in a cubicle, you know, kind of thing. And the kids were babies, so I would get up in the morning, and I got to where I couldn't even sleep on Sunday nights because I just didn't want Monday to start, you know? You ever feel that way? Just me. Okay, maybe just me. But I don't think it's true. And I would get in the car and I'd say goodbye to my amazing family. And I knew I was doing the wrong thing because I knew where I was supposed to be. But I'd get in the car and I'd do the commute that everybody else does, the rat race thing. And I'd get to the parking lot of the job and I'd have to sort of psych myself up to get out of the car. You know what I mean? And I'd think, okay, you know what? I'm just going to listen to the end of this song before I get out because you know what this song on the CD player in my car represents the last thing that I'm gonna get to do that I wanna do for the next nine hours you know what I mean and I know that other people know what I mean because I would do that all the time and I would look around and there were other people sitting in their cars in the parking lot of that building doing the same thing it was okay here we go all right rah 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 we can do this and look we weren't digging ditches we weren't you know hunting for landmines or anything it's not like it was hard it was just dumb soul-crushingly dumb, pointless. So much so that everybody had to just sort of, here we go. And I knew that there had to be a better way, but I didn't don't know what to do about it, you know? So I got out of the car one morning, I did the thing, and a security badge and all this stuff. My boring lunch. <laughs> you know, you know how it is. And I was walking that same walk, and all of the other mindless, faceless masses going in, and we all kind of looked at each other, and I happened to look down at a bumper sticker on one of the cars in the parking lot. And it was that great hippie bumper sticker that you've seen before that says, what if they gave a war and nobody came? You've seen it before. And I love the idea of that. The idea has to do with the fact that wars are not fought by the people high up the food chain. They're fought by individuals, and what if we just don't play the game of killing each other? Now, I love that, and that's a topic for a whole nother Sunday. But one of the things that it did for me in that moment is I thought, wait a minute. I'm in a, an army of people who have all agreed that we're supposed to have a miserable day and a miserable week and have miserable stuff go on all day and sit through miserable meetings and do miserable emails and miserable spreadsheets all day blah, 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 until we have a miserable ride home and make the world worse. And I thought, wait a minute. If something big like war is something I can be intentional about and have a choice about, what if this dumb job is something I can have a choice about? Now, I didn't quit my job that day, but what I decided in the walk between that bumper and the inside of my office was, you know what, what if I just decide to stop hating this? Yeah, it feels pointless, but what if I have a point? I can't change the whole thing, but I can sure as heck change me. 
Within a week, I got a promotion. Within two weeks, I got another promotion because I just showed up. All I did was tell the truth. Instead of just sitting through the meeting, I thought, I said, you know what? That's a dumb idea. And let me tell you why. You're better than that. Let's fix this. Let's do a cool thing. Wait a minute. Here's this thing we can do. I became the manager of other people. I got raises and all that stuff. I learned what I was supposed to learn. And I know that I learned what I was supposed to learn because not too long after that, I was sitting in one of those meetings and I got a text message on my phone. <laughs> Look under the table at the text message on your phone because you're not supposed to do that in a meeting. But I never get text messages. I wasn't even looking for another job. And somebody said, we found you and we need you to come work at our company. So I texted my wife and look at this. She said, you got to do it. So I put in my notice and I got an even better job. And all of a sudden, everything's working. It wasn't as though I was Norma Ray standing on the top of a table with a sign. But I just decided to tell the truth. I just decided to be honest. I just decided not to hate everything. And that is transformational, whether it's in the workplace or your family or your love life or whatever it is you're doing with your time. Decide to quit hating it. Decide to be honest about why you're there. People think that if they do their job, they get the stuff that everybody else wants, the big car and the big house and the big hair and the big whatever it is. Everybody wants big, I don't know. But, you know, we're told that we're all supposed to want the same things. But when you think about it, those goals are so relative. They're so flexible. When you were a little kid, the idea of the things you wanted probably were a big TV and a you know, video game or just to be left alone, a bottomless bowl of cereal or whatever. I don't know. That's not what you want now because you've got to worry about your cholesterol. You know, it's, it's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? The thing you want now is different. This is my point. The thing you want now is different than it was when you were a kid. The things that you want change all the time. You don't want the same thing that other people want. In some cultures, prosperity means having a lot of goats. To me, that sounds like damnation. <laughs> you know, my point is prosperity is in flux. If you measure yourself by how many outer things you can shoot for, you're never going to do it because you're trying to hit a moving target. What if we don't work to get things because that's nothing to shoot for? What if our job is to show the world something we got on the inside? Because what you work on determines your experience. And so I ask you, what are you working on? Like I said before, each and every person knows what it is to do a good thing, to put in a good, honest day's work, to make a deal that benefits everybody, to show up for a thing, to make something creative or interesting or fun, to put their heart into something and have it come to fruition. Everybody knows in big ways or small ways what it feels like to do a good job. I end up giving you guys a lot of lists to make, so here's another one. Make a list of the times when you felt like you did a good job. Really think about it. What do those things have in common? Be the kind of person who's looking for that. Put your heart into something, man. It changes the world. It really does. It's all it takes. It changes a lot of things. Because we start to be honest. We start to be honest with the idea that the things that I did that, that I really felt rewarded by had nothing to do with whether or not anybody understood it, whether anybody applauded, whether anybody paid me. Maybe I got paid, but who cares? That's secondary to the fact that I had an inner connection with it. In other words, the jobs that prosper you are the ones where you can tell the truth. This is a big deal. Because on the other end of it, if you think about the job that you hate, that soul-crushing thing that makes you feel like a loser, that terrible job that you stay awake on Sunday night because you just don't even want to deal with it, 
if you think about that job that you hate, you know darn well there's somebody else, somewhere else in the world that would love to do that job. Think about that. No matter how dreadful your job is, and by the way, once again, this is not just a 9 to 5 thing. It also applies to the relationships you're in. No matter how dreadful your romantic partner is, no matter how dreadful that situation is, there is somebody else somewhere else in the world that would be happy to be there. Now, first of all, maybe you're in their way. But I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. This isn't a finish your Brussels sprouts because they're starving children in wherever, Kansas City. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. But what I am trying to bring out is it's not the job. If someone else would like to do the job, it means the job itself isn't good or bad. It's like money. It's not good or bad. It's just a thing. The problem is the lie. The lie that you tell yourself to show up. Trying to fit your square peg into a round hole. Be in a place you're not supposed to be. The problem is the lie. And so if you want to prosper, find a way to tell the truth. Yeah, people got to dig ditches, people got to write spreadsheets, people got to get on the phone, whatever it is that you have to do for your job. But you know what? That's not your job. That's secondary. The job you have is something on the inside. What if your job was to tell the truth, even if it's hard, especially if it's hard? What if your job is to make it a little bit easier for other people to tell the truth too? No matter what you're doing on the outer, make that your job on the inside. And watch what happens to your prosperity. Watch what happens to your situation when you just show up to tell the truth, even if it's hard, especially if it's hard, and to make it easier for other people to, te to tell the truth to. That is what you're here to do, no matter what it looks like on the outside. That's the deal. Somewhere along the line, we were told that you're supposed to be miserable. It's a fairy tale. But the good news is, that like every fairy tale, it's time for true love's first kiss to wake you up. Put a little bit of love into it. Put a little bit of you into it. You are here to tell the truth because that's what makes the world a better place. And so I ask you, what are you working on? Now, in the past, we talked about the idea of family. We talked about it last week. And I don't want to belabor that, but one of the things that, w that was really important was the idea is that your family is there through rites of passage. Remember we talked about the idea that your family is there to hold your hand through birthdays and christenings and communions and graduations and marriages and divorces and funerals and every other kind of way? Because your family is there to take you from, I don't know who I am right now because I'm not this age, I'm not that age. Your family is there to say, no, 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 we know who you are. Remember that? Something really important there that I want to double down on right now. There is a part of you that is always there, no matter what changes you go through on the outside. There is a part of you that is always true, that has always been there, no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter if you get hired or get fired, no matter if you get married or get divorced, no matter what TV show you are or are not watching. There is a part of you that is always true, no matter what it says on your business card. That's who you are. Everything else is secondary. Can you insist on that piece of you coming out? I'll put that a different way. God is, period, right? For it to be God, God always is. God doesn't change. God is working, so I work, says Jesus. God is always there. And there's this piece of you that is always there. What about you? Put this on your list. What about you doesn't change? 
Hmm. What if the world got to see just a little bit of that? What about you doesn't change? In the book, we say it like this. You are always a divine being, and so every moment deserves your divine best. I'm going to say that again. If you're writing stuff down, that's a thing to write down. You are always a divine being, so every moment deserves your divine best. All I'm saying is show up. There are people who hold back on who they are. They think, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it when everybody says it's okay. I'll do it when there's validation. What hero ever waited for other people to agree with them before they stepped out? What hero ever worked for, waited for validation before they did the thing? Do the thing. And some people will understand, and a lot of people won't. Okay. It's a water and stone problem. You know, we talk about water and stone. There's a church called that. I've heard it's really cool. Um, there's a biblical precedent for using those words, water and stone. It has to do with the idea that there are things that change. They flow like water. There are things that you build a foundation on. They're solid like stone. And we're here with you through all of it because God is there in all of it. It's one of the things that we talk about a lot. We're here for you through any, every part of life. But one of the things that it also means is if you get really clear on the things that you can let go of, and if you get really clear on the things that don't change, you're going to have a good life. And so when I say people who hold back on their good, they hide their light on a bushel, it's a water and stone problem. What I mean is they treat the wrong things as permanent and the wrong things as flowing. They think that they've got an infinite amount of time. Well, I'll do it later. And they think that the gifts that God gave them, there's only so many of them. I don't want to just give them out to everybody. And that is exactly the opposite of what's true. There are only so many hours in the day, boys and girls. There's only so much time to have the idea to do the thing. There's only seven days in the week. That's the finite part. That's the part that changes. But the things that God has given you never run out. So stop waiting. What if your job was to give a little bit of the infinite gifts that you've been given? People hold back. It's a self-esteem problem. So let me be the one of a chorus of people that tell you that you're beautiful. Let's get over it. We got work to do. Look at the news. There's things in our hearts. There's things in the world. And the work that we do can chain us up or the work that we do can set us free. And so I ask you, what are you working on? Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube or you can watch the videos. Come join us in person, our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work. <laughs>